This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. Beloved, I'm telling you, the devil hates you with every fiber of his being. He hates everything about you. He hates your praying. He hates your stand. He hates your walk. He hates your talk. He hates your ups. He hates your downs. He hates your in and he hates you out. Everything that you are, he despises you. He hates everything you're trying to do in your family. He hates everything you're trying to stand for. He hates you. But what do you do when the enemy comes? Notice what it says in Psalm chapter 4 in verse number 1. David says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Oh, ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? That word leasing, there's an old King James word. It means to lie. How long are you going to lie about me? I don't know about you, but if you ever get to the place where people start lying on you, you may be a hunting in the right path. Now, here's what it says in verse number 3. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Honey, I feel a stroke of liberty in my soul right now like I can't even describe. Notice what it says in verse number 4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. And let me give you the two hardest words you will ever put in your life. Be still. Beloved, if you look back at the top of Psalm chapter number 4, you'll see that it says, to the chief musician on Neganoth. That word Neganoth, it literally means the stringed instruments. Now, the stringed instruments, it has a meaning when you search it down into the root. It literally means a song of mocking or taunting. Now, what it means here is that David was saying to his enemies, you're trying to do all this, but I'm a laughing in your face because what you're trying to accomplish in my life is going to fail. Baby, I'm going to preach to me and you right now because I'm a feeling Jesus in my heart. He says, I am laughing at what the enemy is trying to do and say. Now, beloved, if you ever get to the place when the enemy rises against you and you've got so much faith in your heart that you laugh in his face, you have arrived at Psalm chapter number 4. Now, you say, Brother Tyler, I ain't got there yet. I'm worried, I'm frantic, I'm overwhelmed with everything that the devil has put in my pathway. So what do I do? Now, that's what he says. He says, I'm going to tell you what to do when the devil attacks you so that you know when he comes your way. You put these things into place and into practice. You're going to look the devil in the eye and have so much peace in your heart. You'll look the devil in the eyeball and be like what it says in Psalm chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Can you imagine? Imagine getting to the place of faith in your heart when the devil turns up the heat on you. You look at him in the face and just go, ha, 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 So many times what we end up doing is whining instead of laughing. We spend our time in fear instead of faith. 
spend our time thinking our lives are over and our lives are turned upside down. Let me encourage you in something. The devil is a liar and everything he says about you is a lie and everything he says is going to happen is not going to happen because he is a liar. I'll give you four things. I got about 18 things under each four things so we may be here a while but I'm feeling good so I may just find me a honey hole and dig until I hit the bottom. Number one, let me show you if I can the distress that an attack brings. Look at what he says in verse number one. He says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. David said, If I could find one word that, de- that would describe how I feel right now, it would be the word distress. If I could find one thing that would tell you how I feel about what the devil's doing in my heart right now, it would be the word distress. If I I could tell you one thing that would summarize everything I feel about my life right now. It would be the word distress. So you say, all right, what does that word distress mean? There's two word pictures there that I'll show you about the word distress. And this may describe where some of you are sitting tonight in the house of God. Number one, the first word picture of the word distress. It means to be in a straight or a tight Place. Beloved, you know the will of God for our lives is for us to walk in liberty and for us to walk in freedom and for us to walk in harmony and for us to walk in grace and for us to walk in a wide place. You see, God never intended for us to feel like we had to tiptoe on this side and, and tiptoe on that side. You see, that's what the devil is trying to do. That attack that he brings in your life, that attack he brings in your family, that attack he brings in your mind, that attack he brings in your life. It keeps you from wandering around, floating like a bird in the sky to being a roadrunner that's got to stay on a straight path. Honey, you're made to be like an eagle that soars through the sky. When God calls you to pray, you're supposed to mine up with wings like you got eagle's wings. Whenever God tells you to go worship, you're supposed to rise up and to fly like God has called you to. You're supposed to be a spiritual R. Kelly. No matter what comes your way, I believe I can fly is what you're supposed to say in your life. But yet so many times those distressing attacks get you where you feel like you're walking. If I go that way, what are they going to think about me? If I go that way, what are they going to think about me? Can I just go ahead and put this in shoe leather? Whether you go that way or that way, they already think what they think about you. You may as well stop worrying about them. If I walk this way with God... But Lord, what if a fall? Oh, that straight place the devil will tell you, you better walk the line. You better tow the, the rope. You better make sure you don't go left. You don't go right. Honey, I'm telling you right now, if there's anything in your life that makes you feel like you can't mine up with wings and worship the God of heaven, if there's anything in your life that makes you feel like you can't walk in the good grace of an almighty God, it's an attack from the devil. There's a second word picture under that word distress. It has the idea of a pebble. Now you say that's not too impressive, that's not too worrisome until it gets in your shoe. You know the problem with a pebble in your shoe? It's not the fact that it's there. It's the fact you know it's always there. You ever had a rock in your shoe and man, you're thinking about this, you're thinking about that, you're thinking about going there, you're thinking about going there, thinking about walking there, thinking about talking there and the whole time you've got a blessed rock in your shoe. 
I, I don't like flip-flops. I don't like sandals. I don't wear them, number one. My second toe's a little longer than my first toe, so I look funny in them. And number two, I want something closed up, Cheryl, so can't nothing get in my foot. You know why? Oh, some of y'all got nasty feet, too. I've seen you on Easter Sunday. Don't you sit there and look at me like that. You know why I want closed up shoe? Because I'm liable to need to take a praise break at any moment. I'm liable to need to go run and walk with God somewhere. I ain't got time for a rock in my shoe. You see, that's what an attack from the devil does. It sends that thing in your life. No matter how close you try to get to God, it's always there. No matter how far you try to get away from, it's always there. No matter how close you try to get to, it's always there. No matter how much you try to pray, it's always coming back up. No matter how far you try to worship, it's always coming back up. No matter how you try to sing, it's always coming back up. No matter how you try to read your Bible. It's always coming back up. Let me encourage you in something. Anything that is in your life that keeps coming up over and over and over and it makes you feel tight, it is not from God. It's from the enemy. And it's there to bring distress in your life. All right, it's there. I got it, preacher. He said, God, you enlarge me. When I was in distress, you do realize that your God is so big, He can make you grow in a tight spot. Your God's so great, He can make you expand when you're watching out. You say, how can He do that? I don't know, but I praise the good name of Jesus Christ that He can. That's all I know. What's that distress all about? Well, let's go to number two. I want to show you, if I can, the desire of the attacker. Look at what he says in verse number 2. He says, Oh, ye sons of man, how long will you turn my glory into shame? You see, the desire of the devil in your life is to turn your glory into shame. You say, all right, what's he trying to do and what's he trying to turn? Here's what you don't understand about your life. What you don't understand about your life is that when you got saved, God planted a seed in your soul. And you know what that seed was called? Christ-likeness. And every day of your life, the rain of adversity and the sunshine of blessing and the rain of problem and the sunshine of grace and the rain of adversity and the sunshine of hallelujah is always pumping in your life. And what God is doing in that is he is trying to make you grow into that glorious image of the Lord Jesus. And let me just stop and say this. Somebody might say, in the church. Well, I'm not as special as that person. I'm not as special as that person. I'm not as special. Honey, if you're saved by the grace of God, raise your hand tonight and wave it at me. If you're waving at me right now, you have been made in the image of Jesus Christ and you got deposited a seed plot of glory. And I'm telling you right now, you're worth more than you could ever imagine. You're worth more than you ever dreamed of. You're worth more than you could ever put on paper. You say, how much am I worth? I don't know. I can't put it in paper, but I can put it on a cross. You were so worth something that the loving Lamb of God left eternal glory, walked His way down the Milky Way, and died your death 
So what did he deposit? Let me give you two words. He deposited glory in you. What's the word glory? What is it in your life God's put there? It's the word glory. Hebrew word kabod. It literally means splendor, honor, reputation. You see, that's what God is trying to do in you. He's trying to give you the reputation of glory. He's trying to give you the reputation of honor. Beloved, I'm telling you right now, God's the only one that can give glory. God's the only one that can give reputation. You see, God's trying to work in you a reputation for His glory. He's trying to put in you something worthwhile so that the world looks at you and shines toward Him. He's trying to put something in you so that when the world sees you, they say, wow, what's in them? And the glory that Christ puts in you shines back to Him. What's the devil doing with these attacks? He's trying to turn your glory into shame. What's shame? The word shame, it literally means to disgrace, to dishonor. To confuse. You see, this is what the devil does in our lives. With those attacks that he sends. With those roadblocks he puts down. With those people he plants in our way. With those mindsets that he puts in our hearts. With those thoughts that he runs through our minds. With those fears that he lays in our soul, he's trying to take that which is honoring to God and he's trying to turn it into disgrace and ultimately lead you into confusion. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever had that moment in your life where you're like, man, if I, could, if I knew what God looked like, I feel like I could touch him. I'm so close. Isn't it amazing that those days are always followed with days Confusion and fear. You know why? Because it's an attack of the enemy to turn your glory into shame. You ever made a decision? I'm going to do this for Christ no matter what comes. And what comes? Are we not wise enough to stop and say, Lord... Is this an attack of the enemy? Why? To turn my glory into shame. I don't know what your name is. I know most of you in here, if you're church members, I know your name. I know most of you's last name. I know a few of you's middle name. I know where most of you work. I know where most of you live. I know where most of you like to eat. But here is what I'm trying to tell you right now. More than I know about you, the devil in hell knows about you. He knows where you live. He knows what you drive. He knows what you fear. He knows where your temptation is is. He knows what you're trying to accomplish and he's going to do everything in his power to trip you up. He hates your family. He hates your mama. He hates your daddy. He hates your cousins. He hates your praying. He hates your walking. He hates your talking. He hates your state. He hates your county. He hates your church. He hates your ministry. He hates your thoughts. He hates your hands. He hates your feet. He hates your desires. He hates your opportunities. He hates everything that you are. 
are. He hates what you could be. He hates what God wants you to be. He hates where God wants to take you. And he's going to do everything in his power to trip you up and to keep you in that confusion and to keep you in that anxiety and to keep you in that fear and to keep you in that disgrace. Why? That's the desire of the attacker to turn your glory into shame. All right? Well, this is a happy hallelujah sermon. Let me get to number three. Notice in verse number four, or verse number three rather, the design of the Almighty. You ever stopped and said, God, I understand why you made the sun, the moon, the stars. I understand why you made the angels. I understand why you made the Garden of Eden. I understand why you did all that. But I don't understand what you're doing in my life. Lord, I understand what you're doing in their life, and I can see what's going on in their life, and I can see what they're going through, and I can see what they're battling. But Lord, what you're doing in my life makes no sense. Time out. I got one of my timeouts left from this morning, so let me take a timeout right here. You making stupid decisions ain't God working in your life. That ain't God's fault that you're crazy. Am I wrong about it? No. Here's the deal. But he's so much God that if you'll give him your crazy, he'll turn that which the devil meant for evil, he'll turn it for good. But don't blame God for your mess that you made. It ain't God's fault. But here's the grace of God. It ain't his fault. But if you'll hand him the mop in the bucket, he'll help you clean it up. And it ain't going to be nearly as quick as you want it cleaned up. It ain't going to be nearly as, as spick and span as you want it. We want it where nobody knows. God don't operate like that. God keeps it so that when people pass by, they know there used to be a mess right here, but there ain't no more. Look at verse 3. All right, what kind of hope are you going to give me? Notice what it says in verse number 3. But no. You see, this is too much of our problem right now as believers in Jesus Christ. We walk by what we feel instead of what we know. Can I tell you, I I don't know how to tell you this any other way, but there are days I don't feel saved. There are days I don't feel like Jesus loves me. But I don't go off my feelings. I know some things. And at the end of the day, knowledge has got to usurp feeling. What do I know? There are some things I know. I know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according. But preacher, it was a divorce. I know that all things work together for good to them that love God. But preacher, it's cancer. But I know that all things work together for good to them. But preacher, it was a sudden death. But I know that all things work together for good. But preacher, it was my mess up. But I know that all things work together for good to them that love God. But preacher, they are killing me. Oh, but I know that all things work together for good. Honey, we've got to stop qualifying and quantifying what an all thing is. An all thing is an all thing. And all things a white thing and all things a black thing and all things a good thing. 
thing and all things a bad thing and all things an end thing and all things an out thing and all things an up thing and all things a bound thing. Everything's an all thing. And if it's an all thing, it's an all thing. And it will work. And we know. How do we know? Let me give you the word no. Some of y'all don't look blessed. Let me give you the word no. The word no is the Hebrew word yada. And it's not knowledge from a book. It's knowledge based on experience. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever been up what you're against right now? The odds are you're probably going to say no. Because if you're up what against you're up against right now, if you'd been up against it before and seen God be faithful, you wouldn't be worried about it right now, would you? But this is new. But the question is not, have I ever faced what I'm facing now? Here's the question. Have I ever faced anything with the one I'm facing this with right now? Was God not faithful yesterday? Did God not get you through it yesterday? Did that bad thing in your life not turn out for the good yesterday? Did that thing that you saw not, that you thought was going to tear you apart, did it not work out yesterday? Beloved, I'm telling you right now, we've got to stop operating in this mountain peak experience Christianity. You see, immature believers operate off of their feelings. If they feel like praying, that's when they pray. If they feel like shouting, that's when they shout. If they feel like worshiping, that's when they worship. Honey, there's so many days I don't feel like praying, but I know that God hears and answers prayer. So I get my sorry keister up out of the bed by the discipline of the Holy Ghost. I get myself to the prayer place and I say, Lord, whether I feel it or not, I am going to do this because I know you hear my prayers. But no, what do I know? Watch the next part of the verse. But I know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly, for himself. Can I give you that phrase, hath set apart? That phrase, set apart, it literally means to set off to the side in order to make it marvelous. I'm not a craftsman at all. I'm not a builder at all. I'm not... I'm not handy very little. Somebody told me the other day, how'd you know God called you to preach? Two reasons. I like fried chicken and I hate manual labor. I knew God called me to preach. (laughs) Had to be, had to be a preacher. Right, boys? I mean, I knew it had to be Jesus. The other day, I was down at the beach and on, uh, they call it the King's Highway. You know what I'm talking about in Myrtle Beach. There's a gilded sign shop. It's called Handmade Signs. And off to the left there, and all my life I've wanted a sign to put in my, 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 my library at home, and I wanted to call it the sanctuary. I wanted to put a Bible on the front, and I always wanted this guy to hand paint me a sign. Well, I finally, I finally was at the place where I could do it, so I stopped in there. And the first thing this guy does... I guess I look like a bum. I don't have any idea. I guess he didn't think I had any money. I don't have any. I don't know what he thought. But he acted like he didn't have no time for me. He said, here, threw the price list at me. Caleb, there was a whole list of prices, son. But at the bottom, there was these signs that were gilded. 
And I guess that means like etched with that, that paper gold looking stuff. And this is what I told him. I said, I'm not interested in any of this stuff. I said, I want one of those at the bottom that's a gilded sign. He said, sir, do you know how much money that is? I said, let me tell you something, honcho. I said, I got my wife's credit card. I don't care how much money that is. I said, yes, sir, I know how much it is. I said, I've been saving. I'm ready to go. I want that sign. He said, all right. I had Mason in there with me. He said, now look, if you want a regular sign, we get the wood out of that pile. He said, but if you want one of these special gilded signs, they require a special kind of wood, and it's in a different pile. He said, that pile's around on the side over there. We keep it out of the sunlight. Because too much sun exposure, it'll crack to pieces. I said, why do you keep it over there? He said, special signs got to have special wood. You see, God in your life, He ain't painting just some regular sign. God's got a special plan in the life of His people. Oh, good God, he's got a big plan for your life. He's got big things for your life. He's got glorious things. And you don't get to walk like the other people. And sometimes it feels like you're out in the darkness. And it feels like you're in a thing all by yourself. And you've been reserved off to the side. And you say, preacher, why is it that I feel like God's nowhere to be found? I'll tell you why God's done that. He's put you out of the exposure. He's put you out of the sunlight. Because we know that our God has set apart him that is godly for himself. I asked that guy, I said, can I see that wood? He said, absolutely not. I said, a pardon me? He said, no, sir. He said, only the people that own a piece of that pile get to go to that pile. I said, so what do I got to do to get to that pile? He said, you got to own a piece of that wood. You realize in your life right now, you were bought with a price, purchased with the eternal, immaculate, holy blood of the loving Lamb of God. You were purchased with regal blood. You were purchased with redeeming blood. You were purchased with royal blood. And I know it feels like that you're all by yourself. And I know it feels like you're all abandoned. But God has reserved you for himself. And ain't nobody going to your wood pile. Unless God lets them. So number four, let me give you now, what is the duty of the attacked? All right, God's plan is going to be accomplished. What do I do since the devil's attacking me? Here we go. Number one, write these down. They're found in verse number four. The first thing you need to do is you need to get righteously angry. Righteously angry. Where do I see that? Notice what it says in verse number four. He says, stand in awe and sin not. The New Testament puts it like this. Be ye angry and sin not. Can I give you that phrase, stand in awe? That phrase, stand in awe, is the Hebrew word, ragaz. And that word, ragaz, it literally means be agitated. Honey, you do realize anger is a divine emotion. How do I know? 
Psalm chapter 7, verse number 11. The Bible says this, God is angry with the wicked every day. You see, we've got this idea that if we're not a bunch of powder puffs that just let take anything that comes our way, if we just let anything come, and I guess it's just all right. Honey, God tells us to be angry. You say, what is anger? Well, have you never been angry? Yeah, I got angry, and I felt like God got mad at me. You know why? Because you mistake anger for vengeance. There's a big difference between anger and vengeance. What is the difference? I'll give you three differences whether you can know if you're angry or if you want vengeance. Number one, anger is indignation over an injustice. Vengeance is indignation over personal wronged. Honey, I'm going to tell you something right now. Not every time you get mad at somebody, you need to get mad at somebody. Not every time somebody says something about you, you are wrong and they're right or they're wrong and you're right. Sometimes people are going to tell you the truth and you ain't going to like it. You see, here's what happens. When you are vengeance, when you want vengeance in your life, what you are doing is you're saying, you hurt me and I won't even. But anger says, you were wrong in the eyes of God, and it's not right. Beloved, we have this. I don't understand what we're doing in our, in our generation. We get mad where we ought not get mad, and we let flow what we ought to be blazing, ripping hot over. We're mad as the devil. Mad as the devil when they want to raise our taxes. We'll vote people out of office because they'll raise our taxes. And they keep voting to fund abortionists. What can we do about it? If we had the same kind of mindset and anger and indignation that we had when they tried to raise our taxes or like they are when they try to take your guns, if you got the same kind of indignation, honey, it's just an amazing thing how the devil has turned our mind to be angry over what we ought not be angry about and let fly what we, let, what we ought to just let fly. It's an amazing thing. Anger says, I'm mad. I'm messed up inside. I'm indignant. Because you have violated what God told you. Beloved, number two. Anger is an expression. Vengeance seeks an action. Beloved, here's the deal. Anger is a feeling. It will never lead to action. Vengeance belongs to God. Vengeance is the action. You say, what do you mean it's an expression? Well, it's this fire on the inside. Too many times we let that fire rage. And when anger is left unexpressed, it turns to rage. And when rage isn't dealt with, it will lead to vengeance. How many people, don't raise your hand, but how many people do you know in your life that have anger problems? And you know what you'll find about every one of those people with anger problems? They don't express themselves 
until the pressure valve blows. You say, how does God express Himself? Have you ever read the Old Testament prophets? When He said, you're wrong, and sometimes the best thing you can do is write out your feelings. Sometimes the best thing you need to do is take your feelings to the God of heaven. Instead of just letting it stay so bottled up, on some of you right now are just about half a heartbeat from having a stroke. You know why? Because you are strung up so tight over injustices and you're just letting it eat you away. Number three, anger, once it's released, is gone. Vengeance keeps on hanging around. You say, how do I know that what I had was anger? When you got it off your chest, do you feel better or do you still want something to happen? Too many times we mistake anger and vengeance. Vengeance belongs to God. When's God going to do something about that? When God gets ready to do something about that. Well, it ought to be now. Well, evidently not. God would have already done something about it. Last time I checked, I don't know nearly as much as God knows on any matter. Now, let me give you what some of you need to do right now. Some of you need to just get righteously angry over the indignation and injustice that's been done. It ain't right for people to rip you apart. It ain't right for people to run you down. It ain't right to to betray people. It ain't right to steal from people. It ain't right to rip people off. It ain't right to turn your nose up at somebody. Those things are things that we as the people of God have a right to get righteously indignant about. So what do I do? That leads us to number two. Standing on, sin not. Number two, commune with your own heart upon your bed. You ready for this one? Y'all going to love this one because I like it. Privately pray. Here's what, Paul, here's what David said. He said, commune. He said, once you get angry, get agitated, you know what you need to do about it? Talk to God. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. You know what that means? Ain't nobody else listening. I'm going to tell you something. People crazy. Am I the only one that knows crazy people? I'm amazed why we don't take our stuff to God. Well, I prayed over it. Why are you talking to everybody about it? Well, I just feel like people don't know what they did to me. Well, I thought you already told the only one that mattered. It's an amazing thing. We'll pray over stuff and yet tell other people. You know why? Because we don't have faith that God will answer or we don't have faith that God will answer the way we want Him to answer. I'm going to tell you something. The people in my life that betray me and turn their back on me and try to destroy me or destroy my family, I'm going to be downright honest with you. You know my biggest problem? The fact God don't kneecap them. I want God to take a Holy Ghost baseball bat and knock some kneecaps. That's what I want. Anybody else feel like that? You can raise your hands in the house of God. It'll be all right. <laughs> Son, I'm talking about Holy Ghost kneecap, and I'm talking about knocking the patella over to the mandula oblongata. I'm talking about ripping face, son, ripping face. Has anybody else found that the more you pray over your anger towards somebody, 
the more the Holy Ghost will soften your heart toward that somebody. And we don't like that. I don't like that. You know why? Because I want them to hurt as much as I do. But a mature believer says, Lord, I want them to be whole as much as I do. So i got to talk to you about something. You say, when's God going to make it right? I don't know, but He will. Because He says, I know the Lord heard my prayer. Some of you right now need to stop talking to people about your problems. Stop talking about it. Stop dealing with it. Stop it. Just leave it alone. Talk to God. Believe He hears. Believe He answers. And walk on in faith. And just let God be God. You ain't God. No matter how much you talk about it, you ain't going to be God. Honey, I want a, church, a new church building so bad, I can't even see straight. I've, I've been praying. I've been praying. I've been praying. And I've been talking. I've been talking. I've been talking. And finally the Holy Ghost said, why are you talking to everybody else? And at the end of the day, you know what I had to say? Because Lord, you ain't answering like I want you to. And then the Lord says, now we're at the root of the problem. You want what you want. And isn't it just like the God of heaven, when you go to talk to him about how somebody has wronged you, he turns the arrow around and says, before we talk about them, let's talk about you. Number three, David says this. He says, stand in awe and sin not. When the devil comes against you, just get angry about it. It's fine. It ain't right for what the devil's done to your family. It ain't right for what the devil's done to your kids. It ain't right for what the devil's doing in your life. It ain't right. It ain't right. But you know what you need to do? Number two, you need to talk to God about it and talk to him alone about it. Number three, you're going to love this one. This is the hardest two words you're ever going to hear. Number two, number three, stand still. He says, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. You know what that word be still means? It's the Hebrew word which literally means to be struck, mute, and dumb. It literally means to not think or talk or deal with it at all. Right now, the hardest thing you're ever going to do is take your hands off of it. No more text messages about it. No more phone calls about it. No more dinner talks about it. No more church praying at the altar about it. No more this. No more talking to people out in the hallway and hoping they get your subtle hints. No more Facebook posts about it. No more this. No more emails. No more issues. No more things. No more. You give it no more mental real estate. You give it no more property in your soul. You say, God, I'm a standing here and you just move it when you want to move it. If they want to talk about me the rest of my life, I'm going to stand still. If they want to run me in the ground, I'm going to stand still. If they're going to tell me how sorry I am, I'm going to stand still. If the devil tells me what's, I'm going to stand still. You know why? Because at the end of the day, there is not one person in this world that has any power over my relationship to the God of heaven. There ain't one person in this world that can keep me from praying. There ain't one person in this world that can keep me from worshiping. Honey, right now, if they took me and put me in prison and chained my 
hands behind my, my back, I could still lift up my voice to the God of heaven. If they took my mouth and sealed my lips closed, I could still under my breath with my tongue slapping the roof of my mouth pray to the God of heaven. If they cut my tongue out, I could still move my lips and pray to the God of heaven. If they rip my teeth out, let me gum the devil to the day I die. Ain't a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a demon, a devil, a loser, a winner in this entire world that can stop you from walking with God. Leave them alone and let God deal with them. Be still. The Holy Ghost of somebody is saying, The Holy Ghost to somebody is saying, Shh. The Holy Ghost to somebody is saying, No more. It's done. No more. <laughs> 